What is what up podcast cut tell us this solid podcast? Um, we gotta keep this shit short though, cause A, I need to be finishing up my last few hours of my shift. And also, I need to finish up Cold Geass. And both will probably happen simultaneously. Cause Cold Geass is so good, I don't need employment. I'm just fucking around. But, um, Cold Geass is otherworldly, bro. I'm on episode 18, I believe, of, um, season 2. I'm not gonna... I'm gonna try to avoid getting into spoilers, but the Flaya. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, dude. The, the main premise of this, this little, little ditty I came up with today, is to speak to what got me to cold gas. Because what got me to cold gas... I mean, this show came on, uh, what, Cartoon Network and then Adult Swim when I was a jit. And I never watched it, bro. Mainly because I never watched Mechas, Evangelion, other than Mechas SLR. I did peep Mechas SLR. But other than Evangelion, um, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? I mean, not, not other than, I didn't watch Evangelion, I didn't watch that. Didn't watch any Gundams, none of that. I just never watched that type of stuff. And, like, I don't know why. I just think, like, my anime were very specific, dude. I fucked with Dragon Ball. I fucked with Naruto. I fucked with Zatch Bell. I could find a, kind of fuck with One Piece when it was on 4Kids. And I could watch it. It wasn't, like... For me, it was just never, like, crazy. But, like, you know, it's a 4Kids dub. Maybe that was... A, I don't give a shit about dubs. I just, I just didn't like One Piece like that. It was it was always behind Dragon Ball and Naruto to me. When they were on the same slot. Uh, fucking Bleach. But I just... The, the robot shit... The, the suit... I mean, even the super... Super expositional... Kind of horror or thriller or... Pretty much any narrative outside of real shonen. Like, Death Note... Um, I didn't fuck with Fully Cooling until I was like 12 or 13. I loved it, but I just didn't fuck when I was a kid. Um, I only, f- I fucked with Death Note, like, last year. Um, pretty much most of the Toonami slot. I like, I like, um, Inuyasha. But pretty much most of the time, the, uh, Toon, I just forgot what it's called. Toonami. The Toonami slot, like, in 2000, like, I eight or nine. I would say, like, half of it, I just basically skipped through. The other half, I watched. I stayed up till however long to watch it. That's how I was about that slot. And Code Yes was one of those that stayed around a while. You know, kind of like your Triguns and your uh, Lupin the Thirds. They kind of always had like the play the back slot. I mean, it was. It aired around the same time that Death Note did. I think Death Note had like a year or so on it as far as manga went. Um, and always, to me, it always stayed in the shadow. Like, kind of. Death Note's the forefront of Adult Swim's, like, not showing an anime slot. And it just kind of fell into, you know, the the bat, so to speak, really. And, and I'm glad I finally got around to watching it, because what inspired me was Attack on Titan, Season 4. And these comparisons that, like, rampant, like, on, like every corner of the web, uh, forms that I use, uh, Reddit, even YouTube, mad people was comparing, Twitter was comparing what happened to this Lelouch character uh, from Cold Geass. I was like, Cold Geass, Cold Geass. Okay, so what's this all about, you know? And, I mean, I peeped it, dude. And I, I, like, I would say pretty much from, like, middle of season one, I could see what was happening. 
if you thought about it, like if you thought about Aaron Post touching Astoria, I remember a little bit. I think a little bit less lucid with the tackle. I'll, I'll spoil the tackle. I won't. I won't spoil Tackle Titan too much, right? I'm gonna try to avoid season four part two material, and maybe season four material. I'll try. Um, pretty much post that on. You can kind of like tell where these comparisons happen because the biggest part of the new Attack on Titan, what's come out recently, is this idea of telling a lie. Because you want to save X piece of land or Y entity or Z uh, ideal. You want to break a curse, essentially. You want to break subjugation. Um, and that idea of wearing a fake mask to do so without telling anybody you fuck with. Kind of gets done at two different paths. Because, I mean, no, no pun intended. But... In Attack on Titan, like everybody knows who Aaron is, but nobody knows the insider Aaron. Even the people he's fucking with, the the collaborators, so to speak, don't know the real Aaron. And the real Aaron, if you take the ending on his face, the real Aaron kind of changed at moments within even his heel turn, so to speak. Like the the Aaron we might have gotten um in the you know, the, the war of Marley or the infiltration is different than the Aaron we got in the kind of the cutscenes that the manga does um, to kind of feeling like it's some of the time between season three and season four. Um, the, the real Aaron isn't necessarily a solid thing. And I mean, with Lelouch, Lelouch, Lulu, with Lulu, I mean, you can kind of say the same too. Like, the Lelouch that we got Season one is a rampantly different person than when we get by, say, the Shirley episode. The episode with Shirley in season two. Like, that episode has a very different Lelouch. And Lelouch is different around different characters. I mean, Aaron is someone who's more consistent. But the thing I can see is just that that subversion of, of, of people's expectations about this person... Uh, you know the the a lot of elements from Code Geass would be more akin to like Death Note or Evangelion, uh, especially Death Note with Lelouch being, in my opinion, it's not one on one, but it's probably about one to point ninety five between. Well, I'll say point eighty five because the impact the impact parts of Lelouch that are for very few characters, but for the ones that are prominent enough to call him low 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 low, low key, you know, impact traits. On the lowest of keys. And that is more akin to Aaron, right? But not quite that far on like the emotional spectrum. So then you have this, this guy who's like a pretty much a blend of a lot of different characters, right? And it's very similar though, like the most basic level of what makes this guy special to Light Yagami. Like that's if you watch these two series, it's almost Impossible not to see like like Yagami in Lelouch like this, and then you don't have an L, so it's like it's not necessarily a mental. Like he has his own mental contemporaries, but like he doesn't have a mental rival per se. Uh, you could argue for one guy being that, but like it's like it's not really explored in like a really like series overarching sense. Like 
his his rivals usually come in different ways that are his weaknesses, and that's kind of how it goes. But every once in a while, I mean, like there's a, there's more than enough strategy, tactics, intellect to like satiate someone who liked that aspect of that series. It's just done. Like I've seen it presented like this. I light is like this mental and psychological genius, but like Lelouch is like this war tactic mastermind. And even he like admits I think Light has a situation like this too. But like being unable to like really empathize with someone who was like really emotionally stricken. Light also has a moment like that with Misa Amani, but I think he plays it on well enough while Lelouch pretty much just goes cold. Uh he even asked for C two to like help him in that moment. So it's like He's, he's clearly not even, like, rivals with, like, Yagami in that moment. And, I mean, honestly, I would say for the most part, you could contend that, like, even in a tactical sense, he's not really in Light's realm. Like, a lot of things that happen here really ride the line, like, in a JoJo type of way between acute planning and, like, just dumb coincidence, like, lucky timing. One of the key moments of that would be... Um, Actually, let me take a break so I can get an ad read off. I like to get my ad reads off in the middle, so, like, do this one just, like, lean immediately. Because if you, like, you don't have any community, get an ad read off. Like, the beginning of the episode, and mine was, like, a three-minute ad read. You're going to get, like, uh, fucking stone walls, which you're going to get. <laughs> you're just going to have a massive sloping viewership. But anyway... The general premise of what I was trying to get off in the first half, I'll try to summarize that real quick so you guys can go home and do whatever you do. You can watch Death Note. Or you can watch Cold Gas. You can watch Tackle Titan. I think, personally, where Death Note and Tackle Titan both fall, both, both fall, is culminating in such a way that feels intellectually stimulating. I think both set themselves up with such grand battles and concepts. And they're, they're normal, you know, their ideal and preferable way of storytelling. With that, in Death Note, it came with the Battle of L versus... Of uh, the, the, the war, really, between L and Light. And then most of what was happening here is just like this whodunit. You know, kind of break down. You can figure out who do it now. Is how can I one up the guy that knows me, and how can the guy that knows who I am can one up me? It's like this battle, right? And these two are supposed to be equals. That's where that author felt comfortable writing. And then he tries to do something else, throw a curveball with the second half. And I mean, you got to fuck with what he tried to do. But I think that you can definitely make the the case that. It doesn't really live close to the first half where you can see a different a different type of storytelling. And to the same degree, pretty much for the first time, I feel like, uh, in that series... Um, I forgot his fucking name. Jesus Christ. The goat himself, I forgot his fucking name. The mangaka for AOT. Um, you can clearly see that, like, he really wanted to keep it, like... Keep it thorough. Like, keep it... If you don't know what thorough it's a song by... Um, by uh, P from Mob, uh, I don't know why I can't talk right now. Mob Deep, um, and like what he's trying to do, like with 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 that song is like, motherfucker, just just keep it real. Like it's keep it one hundred, as as the Jits would say, prodigy. Keep it 
100. And I think that, I, I just think that that mangaka felt better um, kind of telling, like, this raw, visceral, like, almost asexual narrative. And then there's different types of love, right? And this is something you'll see, like, like really study, like, behavioral, like, psychology and stuff like that. There's different types of love that everybody has. And the type of love that I think that mangaka felt comfortable writing was more of the platonic familial love or family. And he includes these emotions that pretty much only Mikasa... I don't think anybody I can think of really has, like... A romantic love in that series. Maybe you could contend that. Well, even I like adoration, like idolization that guys have, like the Jaegers, is different than the type of love I'm thinking about. I can't really think of anybody else except maybe like. I want to say maybe Flock and Zeke, but like I don't really think that was. Wait, Flock. I don't mean Flock. I mean somebody else. Um, The fucking Jaw Titan. But other than that, I, I can't think of anybody else who really fits that. Is it Flock? No, it's not Flock. Flock is a human. He's, uh, Flock is a cunt that, that um, fucking resulted in... Uh, I can't say that. That's a spoiler. <laughs> I forgot. But yeah, that, that's, in, that's in, I forgot who Flock is now. It took me a second. Um, but the Peak. Peak. Yeah, the Car Titan. So the Car Titan... Not... Yeah, Car Titan. Yeah. Car Titan... Um, kind of like an adoration with, with Zeke, right? And maybe you could say, like, there's some <laughs> some non-heterosexual love that, like, goes on. But, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to touch on that topic. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just not a romantic love really featured other than Mikasa and Aaron. And it's like Aaron keeps that always at arm's length to where it doesn't really feel like an overt, like, one-sided love relationship. It feels like... You know, it could be familial, and then like this, like the only male she's ever like really loved, and you find out about the um the curse of the um well the the Ackermans. They're kind of like subservient to whoever the founding titan is, or whoever they believe is like a savior, quote unquote. So you kind of really like it's like this isn't really that type of love, and then you get to a certain point where it's like okay, well this. It is that type of love. And it just... It feels so jagged, right? For what I can see, dude... This fucking dude who who did... I've been meaning to look it up. But the fucking guy who does Cold Yes... Hits on every single narrative. Like... like, Well, hits on every single narrative. But, like, touches on so many different points... Of emotional contrast and, and, and... Emotional conflict... That those other series do... And like he doesn't drop the ball. Like it's, I mean, I'm in season. I'm season. Like you have this massive, like cold opening in the essence between season one, and season two. But like you, you kind of catch up in it. You know, by the end of the season, you kind of realize, okay, what's happening. And then you hit the ball rolling again, and it's like you kind of like you have like five episodes kind of dedicated. Like we're not dedicated, but like featuring like flashbacks to tell like what happened in season one, and it's like. Even with that happening, it doesn't feel like a chore. Like, this, there's a moment within, like, the first couple of seasons where I'm kind of like, okay, this is going to, I guess, be the kind of student today, villain at night type of shit that season one was doing early on. But, like, 
even he puts a kibosh in that with certain characters within like episodes where like the, the pacing gets right back. Like the pacing slows down for a second just so you can kind of tell your story of where everybody's at in season two, the beginning. And it's like, we're back. We're back. The pacing is back. We're like back to the fucking crazy shit at the end of season one. And at times it speeds up. Like I would say most of the... And I mean, you should you would expect because you have more freedom to do crazy shit when you're closing out a series versus opening out a series. But I would say for the most part, all of those really emotionally intense like moments. I mean, like heartfelt. Well, the biggest one in the whole series. That's contentious. I would say the tie for top two biggest moment in the um, in the series or tie for number one happens in. The last three or four episodes, last four or five episodes of uh, season one, but season four is like I mean season two is like many moments that are close to that, and again you should expect that with it, one closing out versus one opening of the series. But I mean he does uh, even outside of the cool emotional moments or the the heart ripping out your fucking you know chest moments that he really wants to see you cry. I mean, in between, like, the, just the small pieces of progression or this one pebble gets kicked over instead of another pebble, instead of another pebble, and it starts with a rock, like, cl- climbing down. He does that so fucking well that it's just, like, there's no hole in storytelling. Like, I thought it was going to be one. I really was, like, looking for one for a second uh, within, I think, about six or seven episodes in season two. But there's no real hole in storytelling. I, you could you could make the argument that things do become kind of convenient for the sake of kind of like making them get close again, making everybody get close, kind of the same battle, and then kind of separating. But like, even episode ordering, like I'm, I have like what uh, seven episodes left, and then like I was like as I'm saying this right now, I'm thinking like here here should be a con. You know, one really big plot moment happens in essentially the middle of the season. Like, the part of the biggest plot... That might be a spoiler. But, like, it's like it's not like fucking two decades. Pretty much the biggest plot point of the series happens in the middle of the season. And you're, like, you're asking yourself, how the fuck do they end this with this already happening? And it's, it's, like, it's like, to bring another uh, comparison, it's like Game of Thrones season 8, like... What you've been waiting for, the whole series happens in the middle of that season. And you're like, oh, well, shit. That meant, like, the storytelling between D&D was like, okay. We want to tell them that this was never meant to be the ultimate. This whole fairy tale shit, this magic, was never meant to be the ultimate decider between the world that these guys exist in. And it's kind of like that to a degree. Like, this, you know, childish, I guess you would say childish paternal spat is not the end-all, be-all of this universe. And we see so much massive, like, heartbreaking moments after that that you just think, like, well, this little small moment of joy, I guess, or success that he got, you know, well, what cost it to come, you know? And this guy, like, this, this, Salute guy, like, he kind of feels like it is strongest at that moment when he, like, finally figures out kind of the world that's been encompassing him uh, once he's gotten Dios in the middle of the season, like, he figures out what led up to this part. But then, like, you see this fucker is weakest, like, just three episodes later, like, three, four episodes later. 
And you're like, whoa, fuck. I mean, this... <laughs> it's like, shit, I mean... The story is bigger than Lucha's. Like, we keep on, like, pretty much hearing this point. Like, you know, everybody... The, the main thematic between the two big guys here is just being self-centered. And, like, that's the, like, biggest theme. There's, like... Freedom is, like, Attack on Titans thing. Being self-centered is pretty much the idea here. And it... It, it it kills him, like, not literally, but it, like it kills the Lucha from the inside because everything he did for quote unquote other people ends up blasting back in his face because he lied. Like de- deceit is also just about as big as you know that kind of self centered mentality. Deceit ends up being his like comorbidity, so to speak. Shout out to COVID. This is comorbidity. It's like. These two things combined, like, he loses everything he really was fighting for, quote-unquote, fighting for other people. Like, all that shit blows back in his face, and it's like, I mean, damn. I, I just think that, I mean, if you could still, like, bring in wildly fresh ideas and concepts, like, at the, pretty much the last arc of the series, like, bring in new conflicts or put a new spin on conflicts that have been stretched over the entirety of the series, dude. I mean... That's fucking great writing. I don't know how exactly it ends yet. I may look an idiot for recording this, but I can see why people compare the two. And I want to just come on West and say, dude, I, I think that I, I think that Attack on Titan, I think that uh, this is like Hirohishi. Let me see. AOT Mangaka. I can see it in my head, but I can't fucking say it. Mon. Isayama. How did I forget Hajime Isayama's fucking name? I can't believe that shit. The Wonder Kind himself. Isayama really, really, really wore some um some um uh, inspiration to sleeve with that that probably last tw- that's 12 chapters or so. Maybe the last 15 chapters or so. Uh, pretty much where you get to the boat and they start going on the boat. After Aaron gets his fucking head shot off. Um, oh shit, I wasn't supposed to say that. Well, I hope they let me edit that part out. Um, <laughs> if they don't, fuck it. I'm sorry, guys. They don't me. I, I gotta... I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna have to try to crop that part out by, by somehow or some means. Um, <laughs> but anyway, after that part, you, you kind of start getting into some really, really rockish territory with his writing, and I, you just don't get that here. I'm gonna end that here because I, before I make some other mistakes, dude. God, I can't believe I said that shit. Hope you enjoyed this. I know it's a little bit more long winded than it probably should have been, but I really enjoy uh, Code Geass at this point, dude. It's been an incredible watch, and I. I think it's easily within, like, my top five, like, best-watched anime. Like, my favorite usually has, like, a little bit of distinction uh, between that and the, you know, best-watched, but or the best i watched. But it, it it's better than, like, the majority of shit that came out, like, before it. Um, and probably, I think, even a higher percentage than the shit that came afterwards. So that's it for me. I got to see if I can crop that shit out because the Lord knows if I can, and that's... Who has a big spoiler?